0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org.
1: Well, shall we uh,
2: meditate while we're waiting for the others to arrive? Just relax and settle in. Just take this moment to be here. Feel your body Feel your breath and just relax into presence, awareness, aware of the body. Aware of how you feel right now Aware of your your heart, your tender, unprotected open heart underneath all of the superficial thoughts
1: that run through our mind and the reactivities to those thoughts. Is this
2: fundamental goodness Be in touch with your own goodness, your own unprotected heart. Just for now, you're safe you can be trusting of whatever is happening right now. Open. Unprotected beneath all the layers, we are essentially ready to love, we're ready to be kind. You are ready to love when not threatened, when not caught up with habits, old imprints, just pure, open, feel your own goodness, And open to your own goodness. Let it pervade your body, pervade your mind. Just be in this open, aware goodness.
1: You ready? Could open your eyes slowly,
2: <clears throat> look around At all of these kind people, these loving people, and welcome them. What a joy to be here with you, to be here with each other, to be supported by Sangha. We're all here to support each other and to support ourselves. So
1: welcome, everyone. It's so great to see you all. And I want to mention um,
2: to newcomers, a special welcome to you. We have people here from all over the country. And also to mention, we,
1: we do have small groups. Many of you are in small groups that meet, uh, groups of six or seven, meet every couple
2: of weeks and
1: People find them highly supportive. They love them, actually. Become intimate, friends, open. It's quite a wonderful support. So if that interests you, please uh, let us know. Let Fiona know at IMC Senior Sangha, and we'll get the details to you.
2: So today we're, um, I'm going to be presenting, and I think Robert and Fiona. um, The topic is contemplation of our own death. And this is what inspired the Buddha to practice. What is this life? Who am I?
1: I have everything, I have luxury and loving family and I'm successful, I'm a great athlete, I'm a brilliant mind, i powerful, famous. Yet I'm going to die. What is this all about? What's going on here?
2: And the Buddha really emphasized this contemplation of death as the most important contemplation, not to depress us, not to feel morbid or fearful, although that can be part of it, but to maybe liberate us from
1: all the things that we're holding on to in this worldly life, all the
2: Superficial things of the worldly, worldly ego that we grasp and grasp and grasp, reputation, what people think of me, my bank account, things like that. And often in our practice, we work on on our obstacles. We work on finding a path to purity. But a wonderful thing about contemplation of death is that we go straight to the purity. We go straight to what is essentially here.
1: In death, there is no more self. This self that is the source of all of our suffering is no more. Temporarily in this contemplation, we maybe experience some release from that, some freedom, some ease, some naturalness
2: maybe some joy.
1: And if you're experiencing some fears, well, we could face that too, because that fear is always here with you. Always behind this compulsive creation of some self that will not die
2: a diluted self. So let's begin. Let's contemplate now or meditate now. Assuming a comfortable, comfortably upright posture. Aware of the body, relaxed into the body. Aware of the skin of the body. The skin of the face, the neck, the skin of the shoulders, the arms, the skin of the hands, the skin of the back,
1: the skin of the front of the torso, the skin of the hips and legs, and the skin of the feet. The skin is where we feel heat. The fire element, awareness of the skin or the heat of the body. Aware of flesh, the water element, the flesh of the feet, the flesh of the legs, the flesh of the hips, flesh of the front of the torso, the flesh of the back of the torso, the flesh of the arms, the hands. And the fleshy parts of the face. Aware of the flesh of this body, the water element, and now aware of the earth element, the solidity, the bones. The bones of the head, the skull, the bones of the neck, the shoulders, the bones of the arms, the bones of the hands and the fingers, the bones of the back, the spine, the bones of the front of the torso, the ribs the bones of the hips the bones of the legs the thigh bones the calf bones the bones of the feet aware of the bones of this body the skeleton is always with you your skeleton
2: the earth element
1: And now just relax. Aware of the body. Now we're gonna use our imaginations. Imagine that you're sitting at home and the phone rings. You pick up the phone.
2: It's your doctor.
1: She says, could you come in soon? I want to go over your test results. So you are in her office. She calls you in. You sit down to face her. And she says, I'm very sorry to have to tell you this, but you have cancer. It's not treatable. What is your reaction? And she says, We think you have about six months. taking this in.
2: You thank her. You get up.
1: You leave the office. Go to your car. All the while, stunned. Trying to work. Work this out, but you can't really work it out. What you can do is just feel it. You're home, sitting in your chair. And right now, that's all you want to do is settle with this. You don't feel like doing anything. You reflect. No more me. Soon. that I've been all my life, everything that's been attached to my name, my roles in life, my successes in life, my failures,
2: what people have thought of me.
1: My name will be no more. No more name. No more identity. No more me. And you have all these accumulations, all these possessions. You may have a house, a car, money in the bank. It doesn't mean anything now. It won't help you. Clothes won't help you. Naked, we come into this world and naked, we leave. Our possessions are meaningless. Our relations will be of no help to us. All of our friends and our loved ones and our difficult ones, we leave them all behind. Thinking these things and trying to take it in, Just sitting with this and relaxing into the essential nature of what's going to happen to you and the essential nature of who you are right now. The concerns that normally go through your mind are meaningless now. Concerns that we've worked on letting go of for years. Now just drop away. Meaningless. After a couple of weeks, the phone rings again. And it's your doctor again. And she tells you, I'm sorry, we made a mistake. On further review, you have only two months left.
2: What's important to you now?
1: Is there some change or some changes you'd like to make in yourself now to meet your own death? Is there some way you'd like to be now?
2: What's meaningful now?
1: do you want to do now? Maybe reflecting, what is the purpose of being here? Who am I? What is this? What is the essence of my nature? And these kinds of thoughts and feelings infuse all of your activities. Now sure you meet with your loved ones and you take care of wrapping things up all the business of dying. Your funeral disposition of your possessions saying goodbye. All infused with a new kind of awareness. An awareness that includes the nothingness of yourself. What feelings are here with you now? How are you meeting all of this? You reconcile unreconciled relationships with others, at least in your own mind.
2: You reconcile
1: with yourself any unreconciled feelings with yourself. Maybe some love emerges, some openness, some kindness emerges toward yourself. toward this life. Some radical acceptance of everything without holding on
2: to anything.
1: Maybe you meditate a lot or just sit with yourself with some kind of peace, some kind of freedom, maybe some kind of recognition of the preciousness, the poignancy of life. It's the last day. And you're lying in bed. You can dimly hear your loved ones around you, but you've really gone inward. You don't need anything now. All superficial concerns are gone.
2: You're meeting death, and you let go.
1: You're letting go, letting go into something vast.
2: You're relaxed. Open. Your body becomes very heavy. You start getting very cold.
1: And your mind is letting go into the basic, vast space of awareness, vivid, Vast, clear awareness. Moisture comes out of your eyes and out of your genitals, but the awareness is vivid and bright. As the body is dying.
2: You have a minute... Still.
1: Silent. More and more open. 10 seconds. You take a deep breath in, and you take a long breath out, and you're dead. There's no more connection to this body. All right. You're not dead. You're very alive. Come back and open your eyes whenever you're ready. You can hear sounds. feel your body feel this life so so let's break up into small groups of 4 or 5 And basically, discuss your experience. Does this does this experience change you in any way? At least for now, does it re- reprioritize your values in any way? Does it? Make you want to live in some different way. In the light of death, what's important to you? Or who are you? Or what is this? So I just open to this with each other and any way you like. We, we all carry death with us all the time. But we don't talk about it. But here we can talk about it with each other. What a gift. So, Robert, whenever you're ready, please, uh, okay. let's, let's
3: say 15 minutes. All right. So, yeah, um groups of four or five groups of four or five. Okay. So I am going to send you off into these rooms and um, uh, you'll get an invitation to go into the room and just accept it. And if you end up in not in one of the rooms, you'll come back to the main room and I'll reassign you. So um, here we go. Okay, it looks like you're back.
1: Great. So, um, as I mentioned before, in in small groups, we have much more time, but we're very limited in this group. So, if you'd like to spend more time with these topics, please please join a small group. Um, So, how was that for you? And, And what came up in your groups? Let's just have some yeah, Aziza. Ariza, did you want to say something? Oh, okay. So please just go ahead and unmute yourself. if. Okay,
0: you... I did. Did you ask me anything? I didn't hear
1: it. I'm please, sorry. Yes.
0: Can you repeat it?
1: Oh, no, 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 no. I just asked if you had... I thought you had your hand raised, Ariza, sorry. No,
0: no, no I you. Yeah. It, uh... Please.
4: seems wonderful. Um...
3: Who has her hand up, David? I think uh, wasn't uh, Gail. Were you talking?
4: Yeah, I just wanted. That it. It, it, it was just a wonderful um, time period from from the beginning of it to the end. Yeah, I just felt a, a growing warmth between us. Um, this is this is not surprising, but it always just oh, it just seems so wonderful. Um, that when we share deep feelings like this, um, we come together um, and the um, the the guided meditation you did, which is wonderful, um, helped me and it seemed like others to realize what really is important to us. Um, how how much um, how much I want to be in communication with people I love, just to let them know I love them. Oh, I love them. Um, that that emerged as being just crucial. Um, but then also I realized, and with the help of others, that I don't need to be hooked to that either. I don't know how I'm going to die. Um, The more I can realize that I don't have a self even now, (laughs) the better it'll be uh, letting go. But this exercise seems like a portal, does seem like a portal to realizing this, Anatta, this uh, not-self part of the of the path, um, and and uh, it just seems so so releasing, so um, helpful in releasing cares that don't need to be uh, cares
1: really releasing yeah really really thank you (laughs) and uh helping us really helping us learn how to live
2: yeah
1: by learning how to die can really help us learn how to live without the baggage the the painful baggage of clinging to self okay someone else please yes diana
0: In our group, I think we came to somewhat of a bottom line of realizing we want to be able to live in the moment. And contemplation of death just puts things in perspective that this is the moment we have. And to be most aware, we can't control the past nor the future. So just show up and be present. I think that's what I got out of our our group and uh, it's an ongoing lesson
2: yeah
1: this practice begins with the fruition it begins with nirvana other a normal practice is like how do i get there how do i get there how, this begins with the end
3: mm-hmm. Folks, if you want to ask a question, There, on the menu bar at the very bottom of the screen, Uh, over towards the right side, there will be a little icon that says reactions. And if you click on that icon, you'll see that you can, like, raise your hand. And then you get put into a queue. So, uh, Sue and Ali have just done that. Okay. So, they're next. Sue, please
4: Yeah David, I wanted to thank you very much for the guided meditation. Uh, uh, as you know, we dealt with this, these same questions uh, in our small group last week. I think a lot of people had had problems in, in really relating to it and knowing what to do with it and this this really helped me uh, put things in perspective and uh, and have something to to look at and and to work with so
1: i just just wanted to thank you for that
3: okay who's next robert ali uh, is next ali please
5: hello yeah thank you for it's a uh, it's an honor to be with all the you know seniors here and just do something that uh, you know you don't get to i mean i don't get to do often and it's very important but the question is still remains that on these little moments, for however long I've been able to practice, uh, you know, it, the, uh, what brought me to the practice is to be able to let go. And then this thing I know conceptually uh, that I have to, uh, you know, let go. But that's the big moment at the end, hospital bed, wherever that happens to let go. I'm not sure that's going to happen. And also, uh, having said that, I still uh, uh, know that that contemplation of that gives uh, rise to moments, living this moment fully, but it still can't do that. Even though, you know, a few of us shared that we've been, you know, close to the uh, uh, death and sod right up front. Uh, has that given fruition to living life fully at this moment? For me, still no. Uh, I'm still caught up in the, all the delusions or whatnot that, uh, you know, As so I cannot let go of the little things or the big thing at the end, I don't know. It's great to have these contemplations uh, in the mind, the space, and <clears throat> think that that's going to be able to, but um, as attached, knowing that I'll probably, well, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm, until, I mean, I think we get, this is my assumption, you know, someone who gets enlightened, Maybe some of those masters are living like that as every moment is the last moment. Uh, but uh, I certainly <laughs> am not. So even though I know it vis- uh, viscerally, but, and, you know, intellectually, but I don't live like that even, unfortunately. But it's a great contemplation. And then I, I it's, it's wonderful that to incline the mind, but it just like slips back on today. Delusions and illusions and everything else all the time. So anyway, those are my contact.
1: Thank, thank you. you for your openness and thank you for your honesty. And join the crowd. We're all <laughs> doing the same thing. 50 <laughs> but people something are here, are... Caught up with the same kind of stuff you're caught up with. And uh, that's why they call it practice. We just yes. practicing and practicing and practicing.
5: But I also want to thank you uh, because you said this, the moment of nirvana at this moment. maybe we need to die right now. I mean, I'm talking about myself. Maybe I need to die right now and then open up to living the rest of the life fully uh, uh, until that moment comes. But I haven't been able to kill, I mean, my ego at this moment. So until that happens, until the last moment, I think I'm like uh, clinging and pushing things away. One One little hint. Please don't kill your ego. Love it. Be kind to Well, her. However you want to kill it, by loving it or the other way around. I can't love it either. I'm going <laughs> to oh, love right, it to right. death, but that's, that's uh, another thing. Thank you, sir. Well, thank you. Well, Ali, I love it.
3: I love you, Arrigo. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there we go. There we go. The, 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 thank you. The big lover. Well, we're going to hear the big lover um, soon, Robert. Uh, the the uh, but I think we should move on, huh,
3: Robert? Well, I think this is a rich conversation. Well, maybe one more. All right. Well, owner. <laughs> I don't know. I'm guessing your name is an owner, but that's what's showing up in the box.
6: Good. Uh, my, my name is Steve. Steve. I, I, my question is just, what about love? Where does love fit into uh
1: Gracefully leaving. Um, well, you answered that question for yourself. Can you, can you give us your answer, what your answer would be from your
6: own wisdom? Um, I've had a great loss about a month ago, and oh, sorry. the only thing on my mind is love. Uh, toward not, not only the person I lost, but um, everything that facilitated that being possible, you know. And anyway, I just, the idea of a lot of this, this, this it seems to me, just add that in there.
2: Thank
6: you. Add that in there. I'm remembering an exercise at IMC years ago, a large circle of people where the uh, leader took us through various things. Think of a place you love, a place you love to go, you know, And and then it would be an animal that you loved. And then it was maybe a person that you loved. And then, and then it was. Once it, you get all full of this love and these connections, then he's now you're going to lose this, and then you'll lose that that you love, and then you'll lose everything. Anyway, that's my question: is just where does love fit into the discussion?
1: Yeah, I think we all have our understanding. My, mine is is that's what's when the veils of delusions are set aside or that's what emerges that's what emerges yeah i uh, just maybe uh, uh cindy what do you, you
0: diana did you want to say something i guess i just wanted to respond about the love that my experience has been that's that's the central that's central and that's what remains
4: thank you um, David, I just wanted to tell you that yesterday when we were doing this small group and I, you froze, you didn't answer my question. And then I didn't have Internet and I it kept coming back and I could hear the meditation of death and then it would leave and then it would come back and then it would leave. And so I said, oh, because I was supposed to have an appointment today, but it, I it got moved. So I got to come hear it anyway, and I actually let go. So I just wanted you to know, thank you so much for um, you know this meditation. It was wonderful. Um, I couldn't relate to the doctor's visit, but um, I really felt a freeing when I had 10 seconds left in the meditation. So I really appreciate that. And um, you still have to answer my question about spiritual friends.
7: I will. <laughs>
1: all right thank you and thank thank you all
3: um so only one more so let's take her okay march oh me your hand is up you get
8: the the
3: last word as they say oh
8: gosh i don't don't put me in that spot (laughs) um yeah i i just wanted to comment on the love part um I agree with I don't know all the names, uh, but I find love is the is the remaining. I think David said when the veil is removed and I just keep in mind not so much the attachment of love or the clinging of love to a person or a thing or an event, but to try to I guess it's universal, the, the loving kindness, uh, love and compassion that leads to wisdom. Um, and knowing that ability to have love uh, leads to um, insight and then to wisdom. Um, so I, I guess that's more universal, and try not to make it, you know, more specific. Um, but I I I feel you, and and I think the more we can build on the universality of that love and compassion, um, leading to wisdom and having in our hearts, loving kindness for everybody and everything um, for all sentient beings is really a goal that kind of supports me in in a lot of respects. So I don't feel when I do have losses, um, I don't feel so alone and I don't feel so um, uh, attached almost. Um, One of my teachers calls it the great non-abiding. And I really like that that word for impermanence, um, because it kind of meshes the lo- you know, the things that are overall everything, but also are nothing at all. So I don't know. It's just my way of, of, of kind of looking at it a little bit.
1: Great. Thank you. You know, we don't have to create this love. We, we are this love. It just, it's just a matter of removing, removing the, uh, the clinging, removing the veils and the love comes, shines through and it's who we are. It's, it's something natural. It's, it's, you know, awareness is loved. So, okay. Um, So we will now take a, uh, maybe a seven minute break and then my, my dear friend, Robert and, We'll, we'll continue with this. He's a, he's a wonderful friend and a wonderful teacher, as is Fiona. And they will they'll pick up on this topic um, for the remainder of this session. So please come back uh, promptly in about seven minutes.
3: So, David, thank you for getting us started um, on this really important topic of death, dying, how we live our lives. And thank you too for that really, really provocative and um, <clears throat> touching meditation. So, uh, since you sort of greased the wheel, so to speak, I will continue in the same theme, but a little bit. I'm going to approach it in a little bit more from a secular point of view, a little bit more. So, just in very pragmatic ways, what is it like for us as, you know, just regular human beings trying to live our lives when we've faced the questions of life and death um, directly. So uh, I'm going to begin with a quote by um, Albert Camus, and um, he must have been a thoughtful, (laughs) Buddhist, maybe. Uh, He says, come to terms with death. Thereafter, anything is possible. Come to terms with death. And thereafter, anything is possible. So I'll just share a a little personal reflection from my own life. And for a while, I practiced in, um, in Burma, Rather intensely. Well, it was intensely. I was in a Burmese monastery, doing um, you know practicing from early morning until late at night for quite a while, and I did a a, a death reflection, the Arna Sati reflection, um, and one of the things that it did for me, which I think it does for anybody who's willing to do that practice is it brings you face to face with um, what is important. Someone, someone said it in the debrief session that we just had that, you know, it helps us to identify our priorities and a very simple practice that I do myself that served me well, and it's so simple that, um, and so ordinary, that it's easy to miss how extraordinary this practice is. But when I find myself triggered by something, when I find myself um, uh, overwhelmed, or shut down, or aggressively trying to, you know, overcome something, basically triggered by an event in life i see that the mind easily projects out onto the external the other person or the the thing or the situation and the mind fixates there and i and i try to relieve myself of the kind of stress that i would experience in situations like that by projecting it outward away from me. My ego, (laughs) tender little ego that it is, doesn't want to be, you know, challenged in the ways that life challenges us. So having noticed that, I also noticed that when I recall an experience in my life where I had a, a difficult Exchange with someone, or something was difficult about it, and I recall this person or that place or whatever it happens to be. I tend to lock that into a one dimensional memory. And I think that when I think of that person, I only think of this argument or this challenge in the moment. And I don't really consider The dynamic nature of the other person's life. Everything is just as dynamic for them as it is for me. Their hopes and dreams and fears are just as real and just as present for them as it is for for me. And so they're not just this one moment of difficulty for me in my life. So so I begin to see that that um, by doing a, a reflection like this, it, it opens me to the, not just the possibility, but to, to the reality of how mysterious our lives are, you see? And then I think of if this was the day of my death, which one day it surely will be, Do I want to go into my death holding on to this argument that I had 20 years ago or to this bump in the road? You see, I'm not going to take that person into my death with me. What I'm going to take into my death with me is this grudge, this resentment, this holding on to this memory that I might be feeling self-righteous about you see so it makes me see that the problem isn't with the other person and the problem isn't even that i'm feeling this resentment this whole grudge the problem is that i'm not seeing that my relationship to that holy yeah okay Yeah, I'm very sorry, Robert.
1: That was my mistake, my fault.
3: Okay. (laughs) I I keep. I'm suddenly I'm talking to a blank screen here. So, all right. So, with that in mind, I also want to acknowledge that, especially in the West, um, our our culture one of the tragedies of our modern life is that we live in a culture of death denial and um you know everything around us is trying to to you know keep death out of sight and out of mind for us you know we should be young and beautiful and handsome and strong and you know forever and ever and we really, in the West, we've lost our connection with with our mortality, uh, with the sense that our forebears had. And um, there's a there's a phrase from in Latin called uh, "Memento Mori," and it means it's Latin for "Remember, you must die." And it's a reminder that death could take us at any time. And this was. This was this was much more up for our ancestors than it is for us, so as David so beautifully led us through this exercise in the beginning, we begin to realize that you know we're really constantly dying, and the proximity of death propels propelled our ancestors to live with a uh, kind of a radical aliveness that we can hardly imagine today, you know, as we're constantly checking our iPhones and um, there's been reports that people do that about 110 times a day and that some of us spend 10, 10 hours a day s- s- staring at a computer screen. So there were a, there's a couple of... Um, Sort of reminders about death uh, that are very much like the contemplations of Atisha that David uh, gave us to reflect on uh, as we were leading up into this session today, and these, uh, the death teasers, in more of a of a secular way or, a, you know, a secular way of talking about these things. But they're imaginative thought experiments that can help us remember or remind us of our mortality and inspire us to seize um, precious moments of existence. So I'd like to just begin by a really short little um, I don't know if it's a poem or a prayer by the Dalai Lama, but it it really inspires me. And it's called The Precious Human Life. And I'm sure that many of you are familiar with it. And it goes like this every day, as you wake up, think, today, I am fortunate to have woken up. I am alive. I have a precious human life. I'm not going to waste it. I'm going to use all my energies to develop myself, to expand my heart out to others, to achieve enlightenment for the benefit of all beings. I'm going to have a, I'm going to have kind thoughts towards others. I'm not going to get angry or think badly about others. I'm going to benefit others as much as I can. Now, That's a pretty high bar. And I believe that the Dalai Lama can do that on a daily basis and live it. But it's aspirational. It's something that we can think about. You see, it's like, if I'm going to die today, do I want to die being angry and thinking badly about others? I don't. You know? So, The first death teaser is live life as if life were full of little deaths. Live life as though life was full of little deaths, and Buddhist thought contains um, this idea. It's one of it's it's integral to Buddhism. And it's the idea that all life is impermanent, it's transient, and that our lives are composed of an infinite number of little deaths, moments that pass into nothingness. And so we should endeavor to be present to them. So, for example, a flower blooms just once and then it dies. So the message is smell the flower now. Our children grow up just once, and if they don't get attention from us, we miss out on their precious early years. When you were 20 and you turned 30, your 20s died. So you should live them, you should live now with real uh, passion, not with frivolity. So this is The death teaser number one, live as if life were full of little deaths. The second one is live each day as if this were your last. So a couple thousand years ago, Marcus Aurelius, the Roman emperor, proclaimed perfection of character is this, to live each day as if it were your last without frenzy, without apathy, without pretense. That, that guy knew a thing or two. And that means it's extracting the full value of each day. So rather than taking it literally and running around as if we've just got 24 hours to live, it's about extracting the value of each day, knowing that we don't live forever. So uh, this some this sounds like it's a wise ideal, but it raises some difficult questions for people. And might its short-term framing encourage us to spend all of our savings in a, in a wild spree or ruin a relationship with an affair. It also suffers from classic Western excessive individualism just because it's our last day doesn't mean it's everybody else's last day as well. So maybe we should seize the day with a sense of social and ecological responsibility. You know, we show up for life knowing that we're part of an intricate network of life. The next teaser is um, live as if you want to live your life to recur forever. So this is kind of like the movie, The Groundhog Day where you live it over and over and over again. And the practical message here is if you're not willing to live your life over and over again, then maybe you're not living your life wisely. So for example, you might be spending years working at a job that pays well, but it leaves you burned out And would you be willing to do that over and over again, to work at a job that you, you know, all it does is it produces money? In other words, live as if you want to live your life forever. So uh, the next one is live your life as if you had six months left. And the reflection there is, what would you do? David sort of led us through this. What would you do if you only had a few months or a year left to to live? So we should approach every day as if we have already lived it once. Let's assume that we've spent enough time saying all our necessary goodbyes to our families and friends, to our family and friends. What do we do then? You know, some people might be tempted to whip out their bucket list and go scuba diving or, or, you know, something else. <clears throat> but this has the danger of reducing this kind of death teaser, reducing life to sort of a self-indulgent shopping trip. You know, so we can buy as many perfect experiences as possible without any thought of our carbon footprint. We're talking about ecological responsibility here. So, if there's a way that we can find out, you know, what would we do if we had six months left to to live and we put our affairs in order? This is worthy of consideration, worthy of worthy of thinking about it seriously. So <clears throat> I think that's a, a, enough of them. You get the idea of what I'm talking about. What I wanted to just say, there's there are practical things when you think about death too, when we think about our death, when we think about the end coming. How do we live in the day-to-day world with this? Do we... Do we just go out and like check off a bucket list or or is there other things that we can do? And by reflecting more deeply on these things, we come to the kinds of insights that David propelled us to immediately at the beginning of this session. I should have started with this and then let David do his thing. So, um, with that, I'd like to uh, – David, can you put them into breakout rooms for um, – let's, let's do it for 10 – Fiona, let me ask you here.
0: Please do. I think this is a deep and important subject, and let's give people time.
3: Okay. Okay. All right. So let's put people into breakout rooms for about 10 minutes, David, and then we'll have about 10 minutes to have a conversation afterwards. And we'll bow to Fiona for graciously forfeiting her time and letting us do this. All right. And um, I will pop into uh, chat uh, a few of these prompts for you to think about. But Just as you go into the room, because I haven't put them in there yet. um, As you go into the room, let's see if I can find the prompt here. Oh, dear. Where did it go? Um, I've got it covered if you want me to do it. Okay, yeah. If you can do it. Live life as if life were full of little deaths. Live each, each day as though this were your last. Live as though you would want. So uh, did you have enough time this time? No, never, never enough time. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, we have <laughs> we still have a little time now and we can we can talk about it as a large group. So yeah I would just uh invite anybody who wants to share any any part of you know what you talked about in your breakout room or any anything that came up for you around this subject um, that uh stirred in you today so Fred, I see that you have your hand up and if if you guys will just like click on the reaction button and you can raise your hand then.
7: One of the things we talked about in our group was the, uh, the importance of community mm. in contemplating death. Mm-hmm. And, uh, there were two quotes. One was self help without community is insufficient. Mm. And, uh, The other came from Gregory Kramer about uh, community, and that is, the kindness and care of others can give us the courage to let in the teachings all the way. And uh, it seems to me that a supportive community is very important as we go about this
3: process. We do not live in a bubble and we don't die in a bubble either. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Other folks? This is generally a provocative topic and people have lots of ideas and things to share. So please, please don't be shy.
8: I was just going to say what we came up or we talked about is our practice, the Dharma practice really um, will help us in, in contemplating it as well as death. When death occurs, hopefully we can use it to let go and, and whatever comes up um, to be in the present moment. That it's really valuable. For this
3: time, thanks, Jerry. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And the time to practice is now, while we still have the ability and the energy to do so.
4: Yes, yes.
3: I uh, I had a, a medical situation happen to me a number of years ago where I was really so sick, and I. I could not meditate. All I could do was know <laughs> that I was too sick to meditate. That was this, and that was a real life lesson. Don't wait, because the time c- can come at any moment. And if we're not, if we haven't prepared, we, we it's too late at that point. So thank you. Nisar?
4: Yeah. <coughs> i am asked to share the couplet that i mentioned oh am i mute uh, no yeah no, you're fine. yeah i am asked to share the couplet that i shared with the group so in indian poetry it says that each end of the breath end of the each end of the breath is funeral of the past
3: life is a shingle of the past no, life
4: no each end of the breath is funeral 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 mm. Funeral. Say Cindy. Funeral. Oh the funeral. funeral. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> each, each end of the breath is the end of the funeral of past life. Ah, living is
3: lovely.
4: living death after death.
3: Lovely. So th- there you go. That's a, that's your your that's the first reflection. <laughs> Live as though life were full of little deaths. Mm-hmm. From breath to breath to breath. That's a perfect mm-hmm. pointer to that reflection. Thank you.
7: Yeah.
3: Anyone else? We still have a few minutes.
1: Hey, Fiona has a poem or...
3: To I, I'm going to ask her to read a poem. If if no one else has anything to say, we'll actually turn it over to Fiona and let her close our session with with a poem.
7: Well,
0: I have actually a quote and not a poem. Um, there's so much, such a rich subject, so much teaching. But I came across this uh, Today um, was one of uh, Thich Nhat Han's uh, senior monks. And they were talking about uh, dying, Buddhism and dying. We are aware that one day we're all going to deteriorate and die. Our neurons, our arms, our flesh and bones but if our practice and our awareness is strong enough we can see beyond the dying body and pay attention also to the spiritual body we continue through the spirit of our speech our thinking and our actions these three aspects of body speech and mind continues in buddhism we call this the nature of no birth and no death. It is the other dimension of the ultimate. It's not something idealized or clean. The body has to do what it does, and the mind as well. But in the ultimate dimension, there is continuation. We can con- cultivate this awareness of this nature of no birth and no death this way of living in the ultimate dimension, then slowly our fear of death will lessen. This awareness also helps us to be more mindful in our daily life, to cherish every moment and everyone in our life. And then I want to share this was something Thich Han said right around uh, in was quoted in honor of his birthday which was a week or so ago I'm not sure if he's 93 or whatever this is so beautiful I laugh when I think how I once sought paradise as a realm outside of the world of birth It is right in the world of birth and death that the miraculous truth is revealed. But this is not the laughter of someone who suddenly acquires a great fortune. Neither is it the laughter of one who has won a victory. It is rather the laughter of one who has won a victory. I'm sorry. It is rather the laughter of one after having painfully searched for something for a long time, finds it one morning in the pocket of his coat. It is rather the laughter of one who, after having painfully searched for something for a long time, finds it one morning in the pocket of his coat. Just be quiet for a minute and connect with this breath and this
2: body. This
0: breath and this body that's here right now, our dearest friends in this life. May our hearts continue to open to this great teaching, this great practice of looking at the death of this body and looking at what remains, what is here, what has no birth, what has no death and what sustains us, the Dharma. Thank you all so much.
1: Thank you, Fiona. Thank you, Robert. Thank you all. Thank you all for coming and being here and sharing your wisdom with each other. This is a wisdom, Exploration today, investigation of our death is is a wisdom uh, uh, investigation. Investigation is wisdom. This wisdom isn't cerebral. It's it's in our bodies and in, and it's in our hearts. So may the wisdom that we have experienced today. May may it be of benefit to us as we go through the rest of our day and the rest of our lives. May it continue to benefit us, the wisdom that's been uncovered in us today. And may the wisdom that's been uncovered in us today, some veils of delusion that have been pulled aside. May may our wisdom be of benefit to our loved ones may our wisdom be a benefit to our friends and to people with whom we're in conflict. And it's reasonable to say, may our wisdom that we've uncovered today benefit all beings everywhere. May all beings be liberated from attachment, be liberated from suffering, be liberated from their clinging and may all beings abide in happiness and a joy that's free from sorrow may all beings be free of aversion and attachment and abide in a like a royal equanimity
3: thank you all thank you david Come off mute everyone and say goodbye to each other. <laughs>
8: Thank you everyone. Thank Namaste. You. Bye. Bye
3: everyone.
2: Bye. Thank you so much.